Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to an emergency episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar along with Judd Zolgad. Judd, it's been some time. Hey, I'm back. This is really, really exciting. I mean, I'm no Courtney, but I'm here. I have been getting tweets on a daily basis, maybe hourly, asking me, when is Judd coming back on the Purple Podcast? So <laughs> oh, I'm sure they're just clamoring for Judd. You have had uh, your summer off, but now it's go time. And Stefan Diggs has a five-year contract with $40 million guaranteed. If he reaches all the bonuses, which they never do, $81 million. It's probably going to be closer to the $72 million range. Give me your instant reaction when you read the news early this morning that Stefan Diggs had signed a five-year extension. Uh, instant reaction is a great deal for both sides. I think that both sides, it, Diggs didn't break the bank, but he didn't take a bad deal. Uh, it just it continues the stability for, for this team in as, as you have guys holding out with the Rams, with Donald, and you go through the list of guys. Uh, this team has had the ability, and it, it's impressive to – retain their good young players, and to do it without strife, which in this league is really weird. I mean, I'm trying to think of the last time that, that they had an acrimonious n- negotiation with a good young player who they like, and I can't. So good deal for both sides, and it continues the impressive stability that this team has brought uh, And in a league where it's ordinary to have strife. They've done a really good job at avoiding it and keeping their players happy. We have talked all summer long about what Kirk Cousins' $84 million contract would mean to keeping and signing other players around him, and this offseason – They've been able to keep three out of the four that we've talked about so much. So we'll get to Anthony Barr and what this might mean for him in just a bit. But it really says that the Vikings are able to use what they have here in terms of their culture. Their head coach, I think, has to be a factor. Their facility, which we are sitting in right now, the TCO Performance Center, and their stadium and their crowd and the home field advantage and the recent success to put all of those things together 
and the way that they structure contracts seems to work for both sides as far as you get paid a lot pretty early in a contract and we get a reasonable cap hit throughout the length of the contract and seem to be able to play that that game of stacking contracts on top of each other to never put us over the cap. Mm-hmm. It is a, it's a great balance that they've been able to find with the players, but I think it says a lot about what they have here in this organization right now. Oh, it, it does. And, and the, this team, now the, the Wolves bought this team in, I think the sale went through in, in June of 2005, and they soon thereafter established a really good pattern of retaining young players. And if they, if they have chosen to go out and sign guys from outside, they've certainly done that at times, not all the time. Um, but this team has done a really good job of saying, of, of putting a value on their players coming out of their first contracts. And I do think, to your bar point, I do think that if you had sat me down on Monday and said, okay, it's going to be Diggs or Barr, I say Diggs. And for the sake of your quarterback, it's a smart move. There is, I mean, this, I come back to the Purple Podcast pretty much in praise here. I mean, I've, there's very little, like, right now to look at this team and say that there's faults. Would I have liked them to take a guard in, in the first round, things like that? Certainly. But considering that they have gone from Winter Park to this place, this TCO Performance Center, which is a campus. It's a college campus. It's gorgeous. Considering that uh, in the last few years, they've now gone from the Metrodome to U.S. Bank Stadium, which, aside from being on the same footprint, is a different world. This team, I, I covered the Packers in 2003 and four, and came on the Vikings beat collar in 2005. And I remember thinking to myself at that time, the Vikings are not even in the same league. I mean, the Packers have practice facilities and Lambeau Field and all this, and now I'm covering uh, practices in Egan where, where the hill is growing, where there's uh, weeds on the hill and there's guys flying into the woods. In Eden Prairie, you mean? In Eden Prairie, yeah, at Winter Park. So the point being is the Vikings now have gotten to the point of respectability-wise, I, I would say that they are among easily among the top five franchises in this league as far as stability goes. And for the most part, everything is really impressive. And as we went into the summer looking at all the things that could kind of go a different way to make this a one-year run with Kirk Cousins, it now doesn't feel like that. It looks like they have most of the core of their team locked up for a long time. And I will stick with defenses from year to year are really hard to keep at the top of their game. But when you look at this Vikings defense and then you look at the weapons that they've been able to lock up on the offensive side mm-hmm. and then players like Pat Elfline and Delvin Cook are on their rookie contracts, you are squarely in that hot zone of having all these players in their prime for you to be able to compete for more than just this year of going all in. Now, some things could change. Sure. Losing Anthony Barr, Sheldon Richardson, I would guess is only here for one year. But it seems like if you can keep the key pieces in place in the NFL and get good quarterback play, you can be in that conversation for a long time. And I look at a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, who have not had an elite quarterback. They have not had Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers, but they've got a great coach. They have a great culture, it seems, which really stems from their top players and who they've built around Mm -hmm. and their coach. And then, of course, they have um, the stability of that entire situation with their key players and then they build on with draft picks and things like that and they just keep 
going and keep succeeding and keep competing. Like my whole life, the Kansas City Chiefs have mostly been competitive. Yep. And it's kind of the same way for the Vikings during the Wilf era is finding ways to be competitive, but especially under Mike Zimmer now, even when they went 8-8, eight and eight, they went into 2016 feeling like they had a great chance to win. And I think now that my opinion of the winning window has changed that they have Hunter and Diggs locked up. Because I could have seen both of them saying, screw this, we're hitting the market, we're not sticking around. Right. And just to give, give you an, an example of what you're, you're ta- talking about too here, Vikings under contract now through at least 2020. Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Thielen, Reef, Elfline, Kendricks, Griffin, Hunter, Harrison Smith, Xavier Your Rhodes, Diggs, and Joseph. I mean, that's 12 absolutely key players. And so, yeah, I mean, they've done – and I – Here's here's the thing that I think has has probably changed here and evolved as well. When the Wilfs came here, if you you recall that they had the great line about um, a triangle of authority, right? And it was sort of like, well, you're going to be in charge of this and you're going to be in charge of that, but you're all going to have the same or you're all going to have an, an equal say. And it wasn't a terrible idea, but the problem was you didn't have people totally in charge. Well, now you do, and I think they fit they fit in perfectly. Rick Spielman has his faults, but for the most part, I think he's done a good job. I mean, he's drafted pretty damn well. They've signed guys. So Spielman as GM has done a, a good job. Zimmer was the right guy as coach. I mean, you went from Childress, who really didn't work, to Frazier, who was a great guy and a nice guy, but not necessarily head coach material, to Zimmer now, who's done a very good job, and Brzezinski, who's done a great job with the cap. So now you've got people in charge in their lanes who I think are good. So I don't sense that Mike, for instance, goes to Rick and tries to say, I want to play GM today. I think Rick gets to play GM. I think Mike gets to play coach, and Brzezinski gets to play cap guy. And so by doing that, I think they all thrive instead of because how many times have we seen a franchise, Matthew, start to get successful? And then you've got guys saying, well, you know, I really should be doing more, right? I mean, how many coaches have said, I should be doing more? Right now, you're in the sweet spot of everybody, I think, accepting, knowing, and even enjoying their roles with this franchise. I think that Mike Zimmer is where it all starts. You don't usually win 40 games in four years without a stable quarterback situation. When you have four different quarterbacks starting in four years for a guy, I mean, this will be five in five years for the opening day. That is really incredible to have won that many games and been in the playoffs, and it really speaks to his defense. But when he got here, it's the worst defense in the NFL, and that has turned around entirely and done something that's super hard to do in the NFL, which is keep a great defense year after year. And the way that it sounds like it works to me from talking with Rick Spielman, we had a sit down last year and discussed how the defensive line was built. And a lot of it was Mike Zimmer laying out the grocery list and Rick Spielman in the front office going out and getting it. Mm -hmm. And I think it has a lot to do with the personality of the players that they want to keep around as well and who they have as their leaders and where that trickles down from. So it comes from Terrence Newman. They want to keep bringing him back. Yesterday, I'm watching Terrence Newman out there, and he is teaching Holton Hill, who's an undrafted guy. And this is 20, 30 minutes after practice. They're still out there. Everybody else is inside. And here's Terrence Newman teaching an undrafted guy. And he was doing that last year and before and before. But he also did that with Trey Wayans. He also did that with Xavier Rhodes, with Mackenzie Alexander. And you have guys who are willing to teach other players and drive other players towards success. Stephon Diggs is like that. 
He and Adam Thielen clearly compete against each other in a good way. Yep. They drive each other. They work off of each other. Yep. And you see that with them in practice where they're competing against each other. And then you have Diggs is able to go up against Xavier Rhodes every practice. And that really helps too. And Trey Wayne, so great athletes. And, and it's just sort of like this team is a culmination of all of this effort during the Zimmer era. And I think he's the guy where it starts from because I don't know if you draft all the corners – Without him, I don't know if you pay certain people without him demanding that that's who you pay. Right. And with this team, as many weapons as they have, as good as they are on offense, if they win the Super Bowl, it's probably because of their defense was at the very top of their game. And the smarts there was, was this. I think they finally got tired of watching uh, Cutler at the time, Rodgers for sure, and Stafford beat them. And the Vikings, it, it is... Not to their credit that it took them so long, and they certainly tried to find a quarterback, but I think the smart move was finally the decision was made of if we can't find one exactly like those guys, let's try and at least stop them. And so you went from a defense that, you know, less tried, but he couldn't succeed. So you went from a defense that in the secondary had so many faults and problems. And I'll always go back to Zimmer's first camp here in Mankato and the fact that he spent almost that entire camp in Rhodes back pocket and Rhodes was a nice player. I mean, I think Rhodes was a good player. He had that. He, he was a first round type of player, but if Mike doesn't come along, I think he might just be a nice player. And Zimmer was literally in his back pocket constantly and not yelling and screaming, but actually teaching. And so, yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a culture and I, I know that's a cliche by now, but I think it's a culture and attitude set up, by these people, and I also think the important people is they found they find guys, for the most part, Collar, as far as I can tell, who love football. And we both covered guys who are really good at football, and they hate it. Yep. They absolutely don't, they don't like showing up at the facility. They hate practice. They don't like the fact that they might get hurt. So and and those guys can play and they can be decent players, but they are there purely for the paycheck. I don't see a lot of guys. If any here now like that, I see guys who actually like this sport. And the thing to keep in mind is this sport can suck. It's a brutal sport. Mm -hmm. But if you love it and you work at the craft, it makes a big difference. And to your point, I think that's where, where you start with Mike is Zimmer is completely devoted. I mean, he, he says it, that he's devoted to a championship. But I think really his devotion is to the sport itself. And he wants a championship. Yep, I agree. He worked his entire career to get this job. And he has gone through some bumps in the road as we've gone along in 2016 was certainly that. But the one thing that I come back to is I, I was listening to Zach Lowe's podcast and they were talking uh, about the Spurs and the culture that the Spurs created that everyone wanted to copy. And whoever his guest was said, I, I understand that there's a lot to that, but your culture is really only as good as your best player or best players in the NFL and when Harrison Smith and Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, when these are the guys that you learn from and Terrence Newman, then you can bring in someone like Delvin Cook, who you might have some questions about. Absolutely. And he has bought in fully. I don't want to go Viking way here, but he has bought in fully right. to Teddy Bridgewater was sitting next to him at his locker. Terrence Newman, Case Keenum, all those guys, these A plus character guys. Yep. And that's who you're surrounded with all the time. They seem to have a plan for every one of these young players to make sure that they are in the best possible situation to succeed. Some guys do not succeed, 
because of whatever it might be. TJ Clemmings just couldn't stop lunging at people. So not everyone's going to succeed. They're going to have draft busts. Maybe Laquan Treadwell will never quite get it because he's simply not fast enough or he's simply not smart enough to to figure out things like Diggs and Thielen do. But for the most part, it's the older players teaching the younger players, which is very unique, I think, in the NFL because a lot of times it's, I want to keep my job. I don't want to help you out. But to have this sort of selfless attitude because they've been so good and, and they realize they're on the doorstep of the Super Bowl, I think that's where that comes from. So it's one thing builds on the next. It's, it's tolerance, right? Like you can't come in. If you're a star in college and you're a jerk and you come here and, and you say, hey, this is my way, guys, you're either not going to make it or you're going to change. And so I, I think that's the, the most important thing because – the issue, I think, with with uh, locker rooms that go bad is you don't have you don't have people in charge. You, you've got veterans who might not care that much. I mean, I've seen that with this team. This this team right now is the opposite. So if Dalvin Cook were, were to come in and be like, "All right, guys, I'm going out tonight, and this is how I lead my life," they're going to be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You're either not going to be here long, or you're going to change." So yeah, I, I think when when you bring people into this environment now and they love football and they might not be they're not saints, but they they're focused on the job and the sport. And I think that that is that's a that's something that's once it's established, I think it's very influential. But if it's not established, it can kill you. Like that, like we've both seen that before. And and you look at a player. I mean, how, how many players? Have you covered where where they had unbelievable ability? They might even like the sport, but they're sort of predisposed to be jerks, and they they go south. Yep. You know, if, if Percy Harvin had gotten the around, if you took Percy right now and he was coming out of college and you brought him here, I would love to see the environment then, because the guy was a smart football player and I think he really enjoyed the sport, but he was just sort of predisposed to be petulant and a jerk. And he got in a locker room that wasn't necessarily the best. So, or you know what? Heck, let's say this. Adrian Peterson drafted now with his talent. And let's say he can't block and he's an okay catcher, but he's not great. You put him here and they say, you're going to have to learn this. Could be a completely different thing. Now, it might not be. But I'm, this environment here gives you a chance at least to step in and be successful. Because if you've got flaws, they're basically going to be drilled out out of you pretty quickly, or you're going to be out the door. Well, another thing is, too, that any young player who comes in doesn't get anointed as the savior or the franchise player or whatever because you have Pro Bowls all Pro Bowl players all over the place. No one is the franchise player. No one is the savior. You That's could true. make an argument for five different guys. Everson Griffin, Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes, either one of the wide receivers, Delvin Cook, every one of these guys are franchise players. So it's not like with Adrian where he was anointed as the franchise player and then, of course, he acted as such. Maybe aside from one year where it's Brett Favre taking the limelight away from Adrian, and then it's then it's a lot different of a feeling. But for the rest of his career, he's the Minnesota Vikings. I don't even think the Vikings have a face of the franchise. I think it's probably Mike Zimmer because there are so many star players that they have. I think you're right. And when NFL Network came through the other day, they had a parade of different guys. It wasn't like, oh, it's only going to be Cousins or it's only going to be Delvin or whoever. It's we're going to have all these different star players that come through, and that just speaks to the level of talent that they've put on the field. Now, uh, with Stefan Diggs, 
he doesn't have super crazy insane fantasy stats. And this is something that if you listen to the Purple Podcast, I've probably said it 50 million times about fantasy stats and real football. I would like to say you're all welcome for me telling you that. I will accept your praise via social media. I'm just kidding. But should they apologize? They should apologize. Well, I mean, yes. no, I think what this show fantasy players, I get that. But he's a great he's he's right. a great asset to a team. I think what this As contract animals. shows you is that, yes, he had 64 catches last year. But in the last two years, statistically speaking, Sam Bradford and Case Keenum became Tom Brady when throwing his way. And sure. the team knows that and knows they could not let that go with Kirk Cousins. And the receptions are going to get split. But I think if you take Thielen away or Diggs away and allow teams to focus just on those guys, your offense is a lot worse. So they knew they had to keep those two together. So I started on this beat in 2005 for the Star Tribune, and let me tell you right now, that was the year. So Moss's last year, the first time around, and the second time around is not worth talking about. Moss's last year here was 2004. If you're a Viking fan and you watch this team starting in 2005 through about 2000 and, I don't know, 12, 13 or so, and you don't appreciate what Thielen and Diggs bring, then you should just give up. Because, and I'm sure you do, but I mean, I'll go through a list of names. A washed-up Michael Jenkins trying to run routes. Devin Aroma should do, watching the ball go through his hands. Troy Williamson in Denver having a ball hit off his mask, the seventh overall pick in the 2005 draft. And I could, Bobby Wade, who we all thought was great because he could just catch the damn ball. Um, when you watch Diggs and Thielen, and it's not just their catches, it's how smart they are to getting to the ball. It's their routes. It's the fact that they are, for lack of a better term, they are pretty much brilliant football players as far as those routes mm-hmm. go. If you're a Viking fan and you don't appreciate what you get to watch on a weekly basis from these guys, and you watched a good you know, 10-year period of Viking football and receivers fail and fail again and not run the routes correctly. If you thought Cordero Patterson, like I did for a while, was going to really be an asset, um, then you you just don't get this. But, yeah, Diggs and eventually Thielen, Diggs got his contract, Adam Will, I believe, are guys that you should appreciate in a big way because they are special football players. And we saw for a long time here what happens when guys either can't run routes, can't run fast, or have a combination of deficiencies. So both of them have appeared on this podcast. And I think anyone who listened to either one of those interviews, I asked both of them about that being a smart player and what that takes. And I, I, you know, I think that they both have this incredible combination of, character and makeup things the the boxes that you check off that go along with their speed their skill Thielen has good size Diggs has this crazy ability to go up and get it but I guess Thielen does as well uh, but their personalities Cousins was talking today about being at meetings installing offense until nine o'clock at night and Diggs is one of the most active people in, in those meetings at all times. And that's exactly how both are, that they're extremely engaged with what they're doing, that there's a passion here that they, uh, there was a scout who told me that, that he looks for players that like work more than fun. That, that, yeah, that's that, great. That's a great explanation. That yeah. this is work. They're yeah. at their job, but this is better than fun to them. Yep. Is being here and going through install. 
It's like us in this podcast. Definitely like us in this podcast. And and that's how those two guys are, their level of detail, and they care about every step that they take. So when they get off the line of scrimmage or when they break out of a route into a, a dig route or something like that, that's all plotted out from them from thousands of hours of work, and you really see it. And I think that's what separates them from being just good players, and that's why they go from undrafted to as good as they are or from fifth round to as good as they are. So aside from all that, though, we know we know that Thielen and Diggs are good. Anthony Barr looks like he's the odd man out now. Does he not? He doesn't unless they want to try and franchise him. And and that's the thing about the cap, as you said on our show on uh, Tuesday, the cap's a movable feast to a large degree. Like, you can play with it. Um, but if Barr wants to break the bank... I think he's going to be gone. The only thing is this team has found ways before. Like, I've thought, okay, this is it. They're not going to be able to keep these two guys, and they do. Um, I think the 2018 season for Barr is going to be huge because I think he's going to be given an opportunity to thrive. And if he does thrive, he might get an extension or franchised. But I think this team, for, for the success that Barr has had at times, and at times he has looked great, um, I think this is still a wait and see. And I don't know that Zimmer, and he's the most important person, especially because of his knowledge of defense, Matthew, I don't know that Mike is completely sold yet. And I think this is going to be the prove it. I think they're saying to Barr, we're going to give you a chance to rush a little bit more, uh, possibly move you around. So the answer to your question, my initial inclination is yes, he is the odd man out, but I think there's always the off chance that he thrives and they, they find a way to keep him, if nothing else, by franchising him. So there is a way to keep him around, uh, a few ways that they could mess with the cap a bit. One is to readjust Kyle Rudolph's cap hit, which is 7.6 or $7.3 million for next year, but they could have zero dead money, which means that they could move on from him, but they could also get a few million out of reworking that deal. Though, if he has a huge year, he's going to say, sorry, cut me, and someone else will sign me. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up with 60 or 70 catches this year. Go to the Bengals, maybe, and go home. Latavius Murray is another option. That'll steal you a few dollars. But what I was thinking of is yeah. Trey Wayans. If Trey Wayans doesn't have a great year, he's, he's on the fifth-year option next year, but yeah. they can cut him with no penalty if they want to. And if Mike Hughes shows great signs, which so far he has, if he shows great signs that he could be across from Xavier Rhodes, they could move on from Waynes and decide to stick with Barr instead and feel like maybe they didn't lose anything. Interesting. And I agree with you that if you're the Vikings, there's no reason at this moment to not let Barr prove it, that he can rush the passer a little better, though I would argue he's been pretty effective at it, but even more effective using his skill set and to prove that he can be consistently good in coverage. He was good in coverage last year, but he wasn't in 2016. 2016 puts enough of a question mark in your mind that you want to say, all right, this is the year where you have to really show us you could put together great back-to-back seasons and you are super valuable to this Mm -hmm. because I think they can move around the money. Another thing next year to watch for is Anderson Dejo is going to be 32 next year. They can cut him with no cap hit. And they can find a safety. And they could find another guy to play next to Harrison Smith. So can they get it done with Barr? The answer is yes. But do they also have a really good case for waiting and seeing and then having that franchise tag in their back pocket? I think so. So it's, this isn't necessarily a death blow to Anthony Barr, but more of a sign that Diggs was more important to get done 
at a market price. Which I, I agree with. I don't think that either one got a steal here. I don't think that Diggs robbed them blind. Right. I don't think they robbed Diggs blind. Right. I think he got market price. But that means Anthony Barr would want market price too, and that's a lot of money. That's probably going to be. It's probably 13, 14. And I he's mean, a 12 and a half th- this year on the fifth year tender for a linebacker, correct? Yeah, yeah. Or and, option, I should say, not tender. And, and it, you know, if he, this year. I mean, he'd been paid a lot this year. That That's the thing about it. This is not a cheap investment. If he got seven or eight sacks this year and also played as well as he did last year in coverage and against the run, that's a $14 million player. But if he struggles to get off the edge when they try him there, and then he's just Eric Hendricks, basically another version of Eric Hendricks, who's only making $10 million, well, you could probably replace that. And wh- whoever they end up ultimately having to move out, they might already have a replacement for Waynes. And if they have to move out someone like Sendejo, well, then you can find another safety in the first round of the draft or something like that. Which leads me to the contract question that I would like to give to you. Okay. Because this is the interesting one to me. Because Diggs got paid. Adam Thielen did to an extent a few years ago. He's in the midst of a four-year, if I'm correct about this, and I looked it up this morning, four-year $19.2 million deal. That's in year two. And I believe carries a $3.9 million base for 2018 with a cap hit, which includes bonuses, of $4.8 million. All of what I just gave you is a bargain basement price for a guy who is a star player. Um, I have two questions for you off of that. Number one, what have these guys instilled that he doesn't now say, you know what, I'm going to take the rest of training camp off until my contract's done because there's a lot of places where guys now, especially with digs being paid, would walk out, collar. And uh, the second part is, do you think something is in the works to pay him sooner than later because he is playing right now for bottom of the barrel for a guy this good. So I asked this very question to someone out on the training camp field yesterday about Adam Thielen. And the answer I got back is basically this is Adam Thielen's personality. He doesn't want to be that guy. He doesn't want to be the guy who's making a pretty darn good salary compared to you and I and most fans. And he doesn't want to be the guy that is holding out. That's just not him. He wants to be out here playing football, and he signed a deal that at the time seemed fair for both sides. But then he had 91 catches, and now it doesn't seem fair for both sides. It does not. And honestly, in my eyes, it didn't seem fair for both sides. He felt it was, but I didn't think it was. I thought he should have years. I'm surprised it was four years. I thought he should have signed a one-year deal for like five million bucks and then get paid like crazy sure. after that. That's what I thought. Or I thought some other team should swoop in and offer him because he was an RFA a huge deal because I watched all the tape. The guy was this good in 2016. It right. was no shock to any of us right. here. The the national media, who's this Thielen guy? And we're like, are you kidding me? Hey, he's from Macedo, you know. He, I've heard that. You know, I, I think I saw that somewhere in some publication. Man, Mancato was it? Uh, yeah, and he was uh, he grew Old up. Mustangs? He grew up a Viking fan. That's that's really all, that's all I know. About Do you think him, he liked though. Randy Moss growing up? I don't know if we've heard anything about that. Yeah, I think he, um, I think he was more probably of a Chris Carter guy. That was part one. Yeah, and but part two. Now this isn't what I was told, but this is what I think. If you're Adam Thielen and you know you have a bogus contract, which he does, you're looking around. You go, okay, they paid that guy. They paid Hunter. Last year, their deals weren't up, but they paid Griffin, and they paid Linval Joseph, and they paid Xavier Rhodes. 
I have to trust that the organization will take care of me and make this right after this year when they have the money to do that. Because if next year they rework the deal, they can give him signing bonus money and make sure that he's taken care of right away for having another good year. I mean, even if he had a down year or even if he got hurt, you're still wanting to make sure that he's happy and set up as long as you have yeah, Kirk Yeah, because this contract is is bottom of the barrel. I mean, we're, we're not talking about a little bit unfair. For what he's doing right now, this is, I would say, embarrassing, to be honest with you. Yes. And uh, I will add the side note. We had a good conversation about this, about how fans now, if he were to hold out, I think would take that a lot better than they did in the past. Oh, I agree completely. Yeah, we talked about this. Well, it could, because, yeah, because you're not – it used to be the team is always right. The team is always right, and I support the ownership. But now you say to yourself, well, it, it's both sides. And if, and if anybody has an understanding of how bad the owners screw the players in this league, your sympathy ordinarily goes to the players. I mean, these guys are making billions of dollars. The TV contract is is outrageously fantastic for the guys that own these teams. So, yeah, I, I think Thielen, I think if Thielen walked today, there would be pushback. But I also think there'd be a lot of pe- people like us being like, hold on a second here. He's just trying to get a fair contract. Um, but this is the next one to me. And, and I'm not saying the Vikings did a thing wrong here. I just think this is a contract that needs to probably probably be made right, given what he does for this team. I would also like to say that all of you listening, I root for you to make more money as well. Unless you own your company, then I don't. <laughs> What Thielen gives you, though, but let's compare this. What Thielen gives the Vikings for for what he is worth to his profession is like if you've got a job and you're working your ass off and and you've got someone that you work with who is lazy and does nothing, and you're making about the same. It's not fair. You deserve more, too. So you're right. I mean, Thielen, I get the fact that this is a ton of money, but if you look at the market value of receivers who do what he does – it's an injustice right now. Yep. And uh, that's where I think that fans are turning, that you realize that the working class of the NFL is just like the working class in America in a lot of ways because the owners are making way more money than they're giving up here. Oh, and yeah. for a lot of people in America, not you and I, we're fine. And thank you, Mr. Hubbard. But uh, for, Oh, yeah, we're not complaining about us. No, no, no. But, but I the just, owners I just want to attack that Oh, on. okay, I was going to say, but the owners in this league, <laughs> the owners in this league get away with a lot, and good for them, I guess, but they can certainly share the wealth. Yeah, that's all I'm trying to say is that I think a lot of people now where we are, um, just as a society – they can appreciate CEOs who make $30 million and yet you have the guy in the warehouse who can't feed his family. I think that they don't look at Adam Thielen like he can't feed his family, but more that that's the structure that exists in the NFL. So if a guy is Absolutely. saying, hey, I'm not getting what I'm worth, then I think fans are much more apt to say, hey, you're, you're technically the working class and you're taking a lot of risk with your body. And I also don't think that they look at NFL players like, Oh, you know, Adam Thielen lives the lavish lifestyle or anything. He's just trying to get what he's worth from all the money from building, you know, the, the U.S. Bank Stadium. And, and careers that. are short, too. That's right. And But but uh, the main point here is this team's been very, very fair with, with its players. So I would not be surprised if at some point soon here they tear up this contract and, and re- redo it. It would have to be at a favorable time for the salary cap. I get that. But I don't think these guys are going to try and screw him. I think they're eventually yep. going to, to take care of him, and that's very smart because when you have two guys this good, 
as you explained on the show today, you want them both together because if it all of a sudden is Diggs with no Thielen, that takes a lot away from Stefan Diggs or vice versa. That's right. It is like Outcast. You're familiar with Outcast? The band? Yeah. Under oh, yeah. 3,000, big boy? Yeah. Under yeah. 3,000. You can't break them up. That was that song that they did. Uh, what was it? Hey, yeah. Okay. Let's right. Not, hey, let's just move on. Hey, yeah. I, I like that song. I don't need you people really to unsubscribe. Got it. You really got it. Okay. I'm back on the Purple Podcast. Oh. I'm singing. First of all, the Outcast fans out there are like, oh my gosh, Judd. No, not because of your singing, but because of the song that you select. How many Outcast fans connect? are there really who listen to the many. Purple Podcast? Let's find out. Welcome all of you. Can um, we find out? Okay. So let me. Last thing before. Well, this has already gone off the rails anyway, but <laughs> last thing before we never invite you on the Purple Podcast again, we are about to head out to the practice field. What are you watching the closest here at camp? Uh, th- this is my second full, this is my third day out at camp and the second with the entire team. So I will continue to wa- watch the work of one Kirk Cousins. And you, you told me that, that his arm has actually impressed you more than you expected it would. Uh, I will watch that and... Uh, that's my main thing, my secondary thing, offensive line. I'm curious about where this is going. I'm very curious about the right guard here. Uh, this is a – this to me, if there's anything – and I, as I told, I told you at the outset of this podcast, I've come in praise of the Vikings because they've done lots right. But uh, if there's any one thing that I guess would be a concern or I'm curious about, the O-line is it because the whole right side – I have questions about. I, I've now I saw something too that Hill has been out. Actually, Hill has missed the first few he's practices. Been, he's been sick. He's yeah. been sick. Okay, so Kirk Cousins first, offensive line second. Okay, that's what I'm going to be watching. Well, we are all watching that. Brian O'Neill got some first team reps. I didn't think he did too badly the other day, but John D. Filippo was not ready to hype him up and sing his praises just yet. I mean, he said he's doing a good job, but he's still got a lot of that technique to work on. And the one thing he said, Judd, you'll love this. He's got to learn to put down that anchor. Oh, really? He said put down the oh, anchor. Oh, the anchor is important. The anchor is important. Hey, hey, quick question before we go for you. Kyle Rudolph lining up at receiver sounds attractive and really good, and I know Philly did that, so I get where the scheme comes from. How realistic is it that he's going to be effective there? Because we've always said, you know, he looks the part, but he doesn't. And, and I'm not saying he's a bad player, okay? Don't hear me wrong here. But we've also said, yeah, there's times where he looks the part, but he doesn't necessarily play the part. Um, if you get that assignment, it's a really good assignment. It's really plum, but it also requires a level of ability. How much do you think he can do that? I will give you Mike Zimmer's answer is that a lot of times it doesn't matter how good he is out there. No, he's not going to be Zach Ertz if they line him up more at receiver, which I wrote about how often they did that with Ertz. They lined him up all over the place. I read that. But what Mike Zimmer said when I asked him was that that will tell you a lot about what the defense is about to do. Okay. Because if Kyle Rudolph is out at wide receiver and there's a cornerback on him, that means that that cornerback is playing zone coverage. And so now Kyle Rudolph knows that, and Kirk Cousins knows that, and Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen and – Delvin Cook, they all know that okay. because if it was man coverage, a linebacker would go out with him. So then you know exactly what type of coverage, at least on that side of the field, oh, it's a tell. that they're about to play. So that's one of the major advantages of sending him out there. And that was Zimmer's point to me is what that does is gives you an indicator 
And then with, with Rudolph, I mean, can he beat a cornerback who's in zone coverage if you throw the ball up to him? He sure can. And then if he knows it's zone coverage already, can he find a spot in that because he's smart enough? Yeah, he definitely can. So it's not really about whether he can beat that guy one-on-one out as a wide receiver. It's using these clever ways on offense, which oh. the Eagles did. The Eagles are brilliant. This is why I love They football. were absolutely brilliant. This is why football so much fun. I know, and, that's, and that is one Doug of the— Doug Peterson's— Beyond yep. smart. It's and Shermer did a little. I mean, forty-seven yeah. times oh, yeah. no, he, no, he yeah. lined him up out there. Yeah, and so putting him in the slot, moving him around. Another way they do it is moving guys around. So let's say they line up uh, Rudolph at a tight end position. Yeah, and then they send him out there. They're going to watch who goes with him, what their leverage is, okay. how they're lined up across from him, maybe even just to the slot. If it's inside of him, then that tells you something about it. If it's outside, it tells you something. If it's right over him. So all these things, and that's why it takes really smart people to play this game. All those things at once, everyone has to realize. And that's why I would expect that we do see him lined up as a wide receiver quite a bit. You just can never get enough football. I can never get you enough can football. can never get enough football. So glad to be on the, back on the Purple Podcast. I am going to do – I've already brought on some authors, but I'm going to do one of these podcasts about all the books that I've been reading in the offseason just to understand more football. So can never get enough football. I just said that. can never great. get enough football. All right, got to go out to practice. Thanks, all right. y'all, for listening.